everyone, Lynn Smith here, and welcome to Stroller Coaster, the podcast that takes you on the wild ride of parenting that we're all on together, created by Munchkin. No wonder they're the most loved baby brand in the world. As always, joining me here, my producer, Justin. Hi, Justin. Hey, Lynn. We hear this all the time, right? Get outside, go play, be free. I mean, everybody says it, but there are some real reasons behind why this is so important for our children. Justin, I don't know if you feel this way, but sometimes it's like peeling kids off the screens or away from the TV to get them to go outside. You got to start the negotiation in the morning to plan it for the afternoon if you really want to make it happen. Kids are being less physical. They're moving less. And we're wondering, how is this going to affect an entire generation? So to find out more, we're going to talk to Angela Hanscom. She's an occupational therapist who actually noticed a startling trend in her younger patients, and it inspired her to do something big in response. Then a little later, we're going to hear a story from Ramsey Hoopman about how her son's connection with the outdoors physically transformed him for the better. It's an episode that's going to get us up and move in. So let's get started. Angela Hanscom knows a lot about getting our kids active. She's a kinesiologist and occupational therapist, also author and TED speaker who saw firsthand the shocking effects a lack of physical activity can have on our kids. Angela, I know you have this background in occupational therapy, and it was some surprising trends that you were seeing in a lot of your children that led you to focus on physical activity. Can you tell me a bit about that? So when I was working in a therapy clinic setting, inside, I started seeing children present with interesting sensory issues. For instance, we had this little boy come in one time that didn't like wind in his face. And I remember thinking, how do I treat this in a clinic setting? Do I get a fan and blow a fan on the child? Um, A lot of kids are also presenting with not wanting glue on their fingers, not wanting to get dirty. But the number one issue that we're seeing is that children are having trouble with body awareness. So kids are falling out of their chairs and onto the ground, falling off playground equipment more often. The most current research that I've sat in on is that kids are sitting about nine hours a day in America. So they're being driven to school. They're being driven home from school. Their recess sessions are about 20 minutes as average. And then there's this thing called homework. When they go home from school, they're often in this upright position. And what needs to happen is kids need to move in rapid ways because inside the inner ear are little hair cells. And when we move in rapid ways, it moves the fluid back and forth and develops what we call the vestibular sense. And that sense is key to all the other senses. When babies are first born, that vestibular sense is actually fully functioning. It's not like the visual sense where they see in black and white. However, if you take that baby and you keep them upright and you put them in containers, and put them in the stroller, and then you put them in the car seat, and you just don't allow them time to play and move around on the ground, then inside the inner ear, that fluid can thicken, and they can start to have ear infections. They can start to have trouble integrating the reflexes, and that system won't um, be as strong as it should be to support all different skills, such as being able to know where their body is in space and be safer and more capable in their environment. What are some of the social benefits, especially for older kids, just to get them outside and playing with others? Just connecting with other children, that eye contact, that's something that we're not allowing children enough opportunities to do is just initiate a play idea and then execute that play scheme with other children. That's how we get our 
children that come up with ideas, our entrepreneurs down the line. I know I'm talking way down the line, but they need to practice that. <laughs> yeah. But I also would highly recommend bringing other children over because other children will inspire kids to play in novel ways that children might not think about in, unless they see other children doing that. And you see this directly because of your program, Timber Nook. You have this set up for children. Can you tell me a little bit about what it looks like? Timberneck provides outdoor play opportunities. Every day is a little different, but basically our job is to inspire a higher level of play. So we go out there and we stage the environment to prompt them to dive deep into play schemes. For instance, little children might come as young as 18 months old to our program and we'll have out a pumpkin lab where there might be a pumpkin kitchen with some pumpkins that are opened up and some other kitchen items. There might be an area where they can roll pumpkins or paint with them. But the adults actually try to reduce our presence out there because our tendency is to point everything out to the children or to direct their play. It's really important for children to practice initiating play. Watching Timbernook in action where kids are creating societies out there, building forts, creating a hierarchy, who's top boss, who's gonna be a spy, and the play schemes that they dive really deep into is really, really important for social emotional skills. You know, being mentally flexible with someone else's idea, getting frustrated and being okay with that, not always getting your way, but just connecting with other children face to face, negotiating, trading. Those are all very important interpersonal skills that children need as life skills to be able to connect with others and develop relationships. Why is it so important this has to happen outside? I thought I was doing such a great thing early on as a parent. You know, we'd go to those indoor play gyms. They'd tumble all over the place. But you say it's really significant that it has to be outside. Why? If you wait too long and you take, you know, a toddler and all of a sudden stick them in the grass, they're more cognitively aware of the different sensations and there can be more anxiety tied into that. Even just being outside is therapeutic. Um, a perfect example of that is bird sounds. So for instance, when you step outdoors, you hear a bird tweet in one direction, a bird tweet behind you, and maybe there's another bird in the distance. What you're doing is you're orienting yourself to the sounds around you. And that orientation is the basis for spatial awareness. So even just the nature sounds will help a child orient their body to their surroundings. How much time are we talking here? Every day, would you recommend that we need to have our kids outside no matter what age? I recommend at least three hours a day of outdoor playtime. Playing and moving in their environment is how they make sense of their world and integrate and organize those senses. And that lays the foundation for learning. I think many people that are listening right now maybe have the same reaction that I did. I was maybe expecting 15 minutes a day. Three hours a day, that's a lot. That can be hard in a parent's life to find that kind of time. We're so busy today that we forget. That was just a staple of our occupation growing up. So the occupation of a child is play, and that's how we develop neurologically, is you know digging in the dirt for hours, going upside down, playing in mud puddles. That's what we did growing up, and that's how we developed our muscles and senses properly. So we do need to prioritize. I think uh, sports, organized sports, we also have to be really careful about doing too much of that at a young age and just really enjoying childhood, you know, and protecting that playtime for children is key. 
If you can have an adult sit out there and read a book or do chores outside, that's usually the best way because sometimes when you say, all right, I want you to go outside, a child will come back in and say there's nothing to do out there. You know, they're not used to being bored. All they see is, you know, leaves, sticks, and they don't have a lot of ideas on how to play with those materials. So it just takes time and practice using those materials in different ways. I love it. Playing outside sounds great. What about it if it's raining? So we embrace the rain. <laughs> Basically, there's this whole saying, there's no such thing as bad weather. It's just bad clothing. So you just want to dress your child properly, proper gear, and they can you know, play for hours out there. You can embrace the mud puddles. Definitely embrace it. Mud puddles. Are we listening, parents? It's okay for our kids to get dirty. In fact, it's essential to their development. Angela, thank you so much for being with me. Thank you for having me. You know, Justin, what really blew me away is that, okay, we hear that this is important, but there's real data that shows that kids are losing their balance because they're not getting outside. I mean, it's physically affecting them, and it's like this siren going off that this is something that we have to be paying attention to. When it feels like it is something where it's like, oh, play, have fun. It's better for you. But when you hear like someone in the know, like Angela, talk about the real physical changes, the inner ear isn't getting enough access to the inner ear fluid. Like it really drives home like, okay, we are going outside. It's raining a little bit. It doesn't matter. Let's go play. Yeah. And something that I've noticed is the imagination and what what I see with my boys when they just are outdoors. So we decided to move out of a big city to move to more of a rural area so that the boys could be outdoors more. It really was a part of our decision to move in general. And now when we take them, you know, we live by a beach. And so when we take them and just let them go, they, they'll find sticks and start playing. They'll find rocks and have a, a whole game around that. And when I hear their imaginations going wild, uh, it's this sigh of relief of like, this does work, right? We don't need to give them a toy. We don't need to put them in front of a screen. Their minds need this as much as their bodies need it. That's great, Lynn. I want to take a second here and talk more about the mental benefits because there's some real data here as well. Um, studies have shown that physical activity reduces depression in kids in the moment and in the future and improves attention span and memory. So it's not just, like you're saying, it's not just seeing them be happy in the moment when they're outside. It really extends to every aspect of our kids' lives. I think this actually applies to adults, too. I need all of these things. <laughs> yeah. I certainly could use a little more chasing my kids around the playground on a daily basis. Sometimes when our kids struggle with something, they are showing us exactly what they need to overcome it. Ramsey Hutzman's son was a challenging baby until they unlocked a secret that was right in front of their eyes the entire time. Here's our correspondent Fleece with the parenting story of the day. Ramsey Hootman and her husband's lives changed when they had their first child and realized one particular difference between them and him. My husband and I are pretty much homebodies. I'm a novelist. He's a programmer, software engineer, and 
We are pretty happy spending a weekend in just reading or playing video games or doing whatever we want to do inside. But when we had our first kid, we were surprised to discover he was not at all like us. From day one, he was super physical. He was the most colicky baby just up all the time. The only thing that really settled him or made him happy was being outside. So I was always looking for places to go, things to do with him. When he got a little bit older, it was like going to activity museums, just going on the bus, going into the city, going where, wherever we had to be out and about. As he got older, Ramsey's son's interest in the physical world only increased. So when he was seven... He started sleeping on the hardwood floor of his bedroom in a cardboard box that he had made up as his own tent. Like he put blankets in it and stuff and covered himself. So he was basically practicing for camping outdoors because he was convinced that he was going to go at some point live outside in the woods and that was going to be his life. So that was the point at which we were like, oh man, we got to do something for this kid. And our solution was essentially, hey, let's join Scouts. Initially, every single den meeting, he was just like bouncing off the walls. He was bananas. And I was like, oh, we're quitting. I'm never... this again. And I realized after a while that like all of the kids were like that and it was just a really good outlet for them. Ramsey started to figure out that the roots of her son's interests may be in the generation that came before. I often feel like I am raising like a clone of my father, which is really weird because in my childhood, my dad was always dragging us to the beach, to wherever he could uh, (laughs) get out his need for for physical activity because he's just really like an intensely physical guy. He got me a wetsuit and I remember being like out in the water at Bodega Bay and it's just like miserable and freezing and I'm standing there in the water shivering. So when we were deciding to join scouts with my son, I was kind of like, oh no. But once I got on board, like I was really sold on the program itself and learn to love it. So then by the time my second kid was old enough to join Scouts, I ended up being the default den leader for him. So that's where I got reeled into going with the whole program. Scouting gave Ramsey the outlet that her sons needed to flourish. It created a family activity that only grew deeper over time and gave her older son the chance to pursue his lifelong dream. So once the kids get out of Cub Scouts, they move to a troop when they're in fifth grade, like the end of fifth grade. So they're about 11 years old. And this kind of coincided with the end of COVID lockdown for us. So we didn't get to do a whole lot with the troop that that my son joined. But everybody kept telling me, oh, you have to send your kid to Wolfboro. He has to go to Wolfboro. And at that point, I was like, what's Wolfboro? I have no idea what this is. And it's basically like a week-long sleepaway camp. And he'd never been to anything like that before. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's like a serious camp. It's not like cabins. You have to pack in your own tent. It's like a full-on backpacking thing. And you're just roughing it for a week. We pack him up and I send him off. And I'm, as a parent, I'm just like, oh my gosh, what have I just sent my child into? And um, 
so they it's like a group of kids and there's two adults from the troop so i drop him off at the top of the camp and they have this like grueling hike you know it's like 90 plus degrees out they have to hike i want to say like somewhere between three and five miles down before they even get to the camp so i I say goodbye i go home and one of the parents who is with them sent out a photo from when they reached the bottom of the camp and i'm looking at this photo of all the kids and i'm like my son is not in this photo where is he he didn't make it and i'm like freaking out and so i'm like zooming in on every single kid and suddenly i realize there he is in front i didn't even recognize my own son (laughs) because of just like the transformation he had undergone from i'm a little boy with my mommy and then by the time he got down to the bottom of camp he's like this wild (laughs) mountain man. The transformation Ramsey's son went through on his trip only cemented just how important his outdoor pursuits are to him and the rest of their family. He was there for a week. We didn't hear from him or anything. And when I went to pick him up, I could tell the change in his just general level of confidence in his his own abilities, just in terms of being able to take care of himself. Previous to that, if we went into a restaurant, like he would be nervous about ordering for himself. He had never gone into a store and bought something with his own money. And after that, it was like, oh, do you want to go a couple blocks to the 7-Eleven and get a snack? Oh, yeah, that's fine. And who's just like much more confident in his just overall ability to just handle things like, oh, I can care for myself. I did not... <laughs> Did not anticipate when he was seven sleeping in a cardboard box on his bedroom floor that this was (laughs) where he would end up. But yeah, thinking back now, he knew what he wanted to do and, and he accomplished it. He visualized himself roughing it out, out in the open, being this wild mountain man. And that's basically who he is now. (laughs) And I do love that my son takes after my dad so much even though he's totally different like i'm very proud of him (laughs) and all that he's accomplished and everything he's done so many interesting things there but what really sort of struck me is when this mom sees her child like physically looking different because of the exposure to nature i mean that sort of it kind of blows your mind that that's even possible yeah I also love how Ramsey's son knew sort of exactly what he needed at such a young age. Mm. Like, how does that happen? It's right there. Your child just knows. And Mm -hmm. as a parent, looking for those things that are just universal truths within each child separately, it's, it's amazing when you see it. And now it's changed their entire family. That's what's so neat about it. And that's the show. Thanks for taking the ride with us. And we want to thank Angela Hanscom and Ramsey Hoopman for joining us. And as always, we want to thank you for listening. If you like this episode, share it with your friends, spread the word about the show. And as always, thank you to Munchkin. No wonder they're the most loved baby brand in the world. You can find all your favorite Munchkin products at Walmart. At Stroller Coaster, we're all about community. So if you have a question or a topic that you want to hear more about, don't hesitate to reach out to us at podcast at 
Justin, you also have some big news in story time, right? Yes, that's right. Uh, if you don't know, story time is our podcast for kids and parents where we tell classic children's stories in our own brand new way with improv actors. It's very fun. And we just released a brand new episode. It's our take on the classic stone soup story, except ours uh-huh. is called Rock Soup because it rocks. <laughs> Here's a clip. Grandma picked up a rock from the ground and dropped it into the pot. Rock soup, of course. Rock soup, rock soup, rock soup, rock soup. I'm headbanging over here with you, Justin. I knew it. I knew you would. <laughs> rock it out. Justin, tell us where to find it. Uh, it's right here in the same feed. It's called Stroller Coaster Storytime. Check it out. Before we go, Munchkin invites you to join us in helping make the planet a better place for our kids. Support organizations that protect animals and their natural habitat, like IFAW, the International Fund for Animal Welfare. And now that you're ready to do something for the planet, here's something you can do for yourself. Take a time out. Let's journey on a hiking path in beautiful Rocky Mountain National Park. Where nesting on cliff ledges, you're sure to find the Mexican spotted owl easily recognized by their white spots, brown feathers, and soulful dark eyes. The spotted owl is an indicator species, which means protecting this beautiful bird ensures a healthy ecosystem for all of us. Enjoy.